Welcome to the Identity Talk for Educators Live podcast, the show for the unsung heroes of education. I'm your host, Kwame Sarfamensa, and on this podcast, I highlight the unspoken and unsung heroes who are changing the education game as we know it. Every day, I come across the work of so many incredible educators who simply don't get the recognition they deserve. So on this podcast, we will provide you, the audience, with an opportunity to learn the personal stories of these incredible educators and the specific elements that shape who they are in and out of the classroom. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back for a brand new episode of Identity Talk for Educators Live, the show for the unsung heroes of education. I'm your host, Kwame Sarfamensa. If this is your first time tuning in to the podcast, well, welcome, and we hope that you come back for more episodes. And if you are a returning listener or viewer of the podcast, we welcome you back, and we hope that today's episode is one that is informative, insightful, and enlightening to your eyes and ears. So before we get to the main event, uh, I want to go ahead and just share a few quick announcements, as I always do. First and foremost, we have our Danny Talk Apparel Shop still popping. We still have some new designs coming in. So if you're looking for some clothing, some apparel, shirts, accessories, whatever you need, we have it here at the shop. Uh, make sure you visit us at teesprings.com backslash stores backslash the identity talk apparel shop and for my educators who are looking for some professional development to add to their license here at identity talk we have two programs currently going uh the first is our shape of the teacher identity 101 program which is all focused on helping our teachers not only shape their own identities in this work but also to become more culturally responsive to anti-racism in their practices. So if this sounds like you, make sure you connect with us at kindly.com backslash the identity talk for educators. And then of course, we have some aspiring authors out there who are looking to write a book. If you're someone that needs some inspiration and you're looking to get started with that self-publishing process, educators. And those are the announcements. Now, let's get to the main event. Uh, today's episode is going to be a bit of a remix. Now, usually on this podcast, you know, we have our traditional K-12 educators. We have community activists and, and other people who are within the education realm. But today, we want to talk about something important, at least to me, as someone that's been in the classroom. Uh, we want to talk about voice. How does vocal hygiene play in a role of the work that we do as educators? And you're probably thinking, why are we talking about vocal hygiene? Like, what's that got to do with teaching? Well, listen, there's a lot of intersection um, involved there. And I'm glad to have uh, Dr. Sandra Stinnett come on to talk about why it's important for educators to exercise vocal hygiene in order to optimize their performance in the classroom. So 
Uh, without further ado, I want to bring Dr. Stinnett on to talk to us about the importance of that. Hey, hey. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Well, I see you're still in scrubs, so you're still on the job, huh? Yep. Yep. Duty calls. I'm on call, but got to get the word out about voice and teachers and just the importance of vocal hygiene so they could continue persevering and doing what they need to do. Absolutely. But how are you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited. It's about seven o'clock, six o'clock here in Memphis. So, you know, things are, are winding down, knock on wood, but yeah, everything's pretty good. How about you? Um, I'm good. I'm just still coping just like a lot of us are. You know, it's been a lot the past uh, week or so, so I'm still right. processing everything as we speak, but. Right, right, that's real, that's real. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad to have this conversation with you because it's just gonna give us an opportunity to get our mind off of things for a while. Because, you right. know, sometimes we got a sense of joy, you know, right. in these difficult situations. So this is right. the intentional choice I'm making. Good, good. I'll be on the same wavelength with you, but just keeping keeping in mind, you know, all those issues that we we got to digest and persevere through too as well. So, Of course. So while we get started, okay. uh, usually with my guests, I ask them, you know, we'll let them become educators. But in a sense, you're kind of an educator because you're going to be teaching us about vocal hygiene as it relates to the work that we do. Right. So I want to know from you is what led you to be connected to the education field? Because we know that that's not your realm, but it's slowly becoming that. So talk to us about that. Well, so so what I do is so subspecialized that a lot of people don't know what a laryngologist does. Um, and additionally, um, interestingly, the voice is important. We communicate. We're communicators by nature. We're human beings. So the voice is integral and individualizes us and sets us apart, right? So when we're hoarse or if there's any issues with the voice, a lot of people just brush it off. Um, and there's something that we can do about it. And specialists like myself are here to be able to provide you know, diagnostics and treatment for individuals that have voice disorders. So when I first started um, in residency learning about the subspecialties in ear, nose, and throat surgery, I really had an affinity for laryngology because you have a some tremendous impact on people doing voice. And we also do airway and um, swallowing issues. But many of the people that were seeing us, it had been far gone, the whatever disease process, airway as well as voice, oftentimes are far gone because physicians as well as people, general population alike, just don't know what to do whenever they have issues with their voice um, and are often misdiagnosed and mismanaged. So, you know, after seeing a lot of teachers that have, um, majority of them have issues that are fixable, um, you know, I figured that this was a perfect opportunity to kind of do the research, see what the problem was, and then be proactive about trying to fix it. So um, that's what really, you know, sparked me to become an educator in this field because it's necessary. And even still today, 
um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And you mentioned research. So talk to us about the correlation that you've been able to discover between voice disorders and teacher burnout. Because when I think about vocal hygiene, I think about teachers who don't have those classroom management skills right. and they're unable to maintain control of their classroom. So they fall into this situation where they're yelling right. and trying to get control, which right. over time, you know, leads to strain, you know, in their voice. So talk to us about whether you've seen some correlations between voice disorders that you've been able to learn about and the teacher turnover that's taking place in so many of our districts? Well, there's literature to show that voice disorders actually do correlate with a high rate of teacher burnout and, and as well as um, absenteeism, absenteeism and presenteeism. So absenteeism, teachers are missing days of work and are either having to go in, you know, get the situation fixed or just taking days off so that their voice could recover. Presenteeism is um, teachers that are at work but the quality of their work is suffering because of the voice issues that they're dealing with. So the, we did a study looking at teachers in Miami-Dade and I was in residency and absenteeism um, costs $25,000 a week um, in Miami-Dade for teachers that were absent due to voice disorders. The correlation for presenteeism was vastly more significant and the presenteeism cost $300,000. So you can see that there is a significant impact on voice and the quality that, you know, of education that the teachers are providing because of voice disorders. I mean, how else are you really going to teach, right, if you cannot communicate effectively? Um, and so now that I'm in practice, I'm seeing a lot of professors that have retired early and it kills me because you know, they come to see me, they have this voice disorder that could have been so easily fixed. And, you know, they hate to admit it, but they really retired early because it gets frustrating after a while when you're dealing with a voice that is not going back to normal and you're not able to, you know, project or hone in the classroom the way that you used to. Um, and there's so many things that are so easy to do, you know, like uh, voice amplification and things as such. And just realizing that the same way that we go for our annual checkup, you know, I think that two things that need to be added for professional voice users, such as teachers, um, you need to see a, a specialist like myself uh, annually, even if you don't have a voice issue, just so you have a baseline exam. And, and you may not know that there are issues. Um, oftentimes you might get like muscle fatigue and not be hoarse. And that can cascade into a series of other issues, but it's preventable. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's so much to be done and it's just put by the wayside because it's not seen as a disability and hoarseness really should be seen as a disability. And you mentioned presenteeism and right. just from my experience and so many other educators experiences, right. we come into school even when we're sick. Right. Because our districts, to a certain degree, to a large degree, actually, they force our hand. Right. And then we're in positions where, well, if we don't show up to school, our pay gets docked. 
right. or looked upon as somebody who doesn't care about the kids or we're not invested in our jobs because we're taking the time off. Right. But you just mentioned that this is something that we need to do. Right. So I want to know some of the uh, sound field frequency applications, um, amplification systems that are out there for teachers to use in their classrooms because I know before this interview, I did some reading around that and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that there were so many devices right. like this out there. How right. come I'm, I'm now finding out about this after being in the classroom for 14, 15 years? So can you talk to us about some of those systems and just expound upon why more school districts should invest right. in getting these systems for educators? Right. So um, I'm, I haven't used them particularly to know which ones are the best, but I could talk about generalizations for like you know, larger classroom sizes versus smaller classroom settings. So um, teachers, and I just had a teacher too. She had uh, she had horses. I can't remember what her uh, issue was, but she actually implemented a PA system in her classroom. So PA systems is your traditional microphone, um, and you could probably get a wireless microphone um, or, you know, a headpiece microphone so you could have your hands available. Um, but it j uses just a regular traditional PA with speakers. Um, so I would advise that for you know teachers that are teaching in larger classrooms, um, you know very active classrooms that would be helpful for. Uh, but if you have a smaller classroom setting, maybe ten or less students, then you probably get like a smaller, uh, more portable device that the speaker attaches to you, where you can have the speaker attached, you know, sit on your desk, and then you can utilize that as well. Um, but any and anywhere in between, those are the two main. Uh, systems that I usually recommend for teachers. And this teacher that started using the PA device said she noted market improvement in the way that her classroom functioned, as well as um, her voice, like she had more vocal endurance um, to be able to execute for the rest of the day. And it's important because there's a book called This is the Voice by, by Calipino, I can't remember the author's name, but um, the book is called This is the Voice, and he's a singer and talks about the importance of voice as it pertains to prosody, which is just how you express yourself, the intonations in your voice, the things that you're saying and how it's interpreted. So if you're hoarse and you can't, you know, you can't say hi, you're saying like hi because you can't hit that range anymore. That's going to be interpreted in many in a, in a very different way from what you're normally used to. And so teachers are going to be constantly trying to persevere and they may get, you know, misinterpreted. Um, and in a classroom setting, that's that's detrimental to the education of the kids. So, you know, it's hard because you guys are, you know, unsung heroes and you have to, you're needed, you know, sick or not, but you can't pour from an empty cup, you know. So, I mean, I totally feel and empathize with you on that, but um, there's got to be a better way, definitely from a preventative standpoint. So I think we need to take that more seriously for sure. Absolutely. Uh, we have to, but we know that there are policies and protocols in place that sometimes get in way of us exercising that self-care that's necessary. Right. Um, right. So in the event that, so many school districts are still thinking about whether to 
invest in these devices? What are some proactive strategies that teachers can utilize to exercise vocal hygiene? Are there any activities that we can do to mm -hmm. have that vocal endurance and to preserve our voice over the course of a long 180 plus school day year? Right. Yeah, that's a long time. Um, but yeah, so it's crazy because the voice box is, it's not the strongest muscle in the human body, but we use it constantly, right? So we have to take care of it. Um, but things that we can do, drink water, stay fully hydrated. Um, ideally, you want to drink enough so that your, your urine is clear uh, or on the clearer side. So drink lots of water. Um, you know, if there's any underlying issues that you're noticing, like it's allergy season out here, allergies are terrible. Um, we need to make sure that those are controlled and treated effectively so that your voice is essentially preserved. Reflux is another one. If you're having a lot of heartburn, um, we need to make sure that that is controlled so that your voice box is um, preserved as well because the reflux area is right behind the voice box. So that can definitely come up and irritate the throat um, and affect the voice. Other things that you can do, it's terrible with COVID and wearing masks. I mean, you're definitely increasing your voice volume by like 20 to 30 decibels just to be heard over the mask. Um, and right. so that's gonna significantly impact everybody and, and there's tension. Um, so there are some exercises um, that, that um, you can do particularly like uh, cervical myofascial releases for the neck. Um, those are generally done by physical therapists. So that's kind of challenging to kind of administer on yourself. Um, but warming up is key. And we don't think of warming up in the setting of professional speaking. We only think of it in the setting of singing, but it's equally as important. If you're talking all day, you need to start and warm up that voice. So a few exercises, one of them, it's, it's the lip trill. So you want to start low trill up to a higher pitch and come back down, kind of like a siren, and I'll demonstrate. It feels silly, but it's, it's, it helps. Um, so it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that helps to open up the voice box. It helps to relax the muscles, articulators, um, and it helps to give you endurance throughout the day just by giving you that stretch. It's kind of like a stretch. Because if you're a football player, you're gonna stretch. If you're an athlete, you're gonna stretch you guys are vocal athletes, so you need to stretch and you also need to cool down. So the same way that you stretch when you're starting your day, you wanna cool down in the same way too. Um, and then just take breaks, try, try is the key word, but hopefully yeah. at some point we can incorporate breaks throughout the day so that you can just regroup, you know, hydrate, stretch, you know, and just get yourself together and then go back at it again. Um, but if that is feasible, then try as much, you know, to do that in between classes um, when you feel like you need it. So those are the key vocal hygiene tactics that are very helpful. So I have a question for my teachers who are asthmatic, because as we know, asthma does impact the way in which we vocalize uh, to people. Right. So for those who are suffering from asthma or have those symptoms, right. how does that impact their ability to exercise vocal hygiene and what are some things that they can do right. to keep that asthma under control? I was saying just the same way that my airway patients have voice issues as well related to their airway. 
it's similar to what an asthma patient would have to deal with too. Um, speaking requires a good respiratory support in order to get air to push through through the vocal folds and generate a strong resonant voice with good projection and good volume. And so if you're not having that because you can't breathe and you can't either, well, asthma, you can't get the air out, but you're, if you're not getting enough air in because you can't get enough out, it's going to make it challenging to speak as well. So um, you just want to pace yourself and just, you know, again, listen to your body. That's going to be the most important thing. Obviously, controlling the asthma is ideal, um, but that's challenging with allergy season. And just some people just have really bad asthma. And I've seen that, um, you know, so coordinating with the pulmonologist to get that underway um, is ideal but listening to your body. The other thing is a lot of the steroids uh, inhalers, like the Advers particularly, cause a chemical laryngitis. So they kind of coat the vocal cords and they could actually give you hoarseness from that standpoint. So if that is the case, you know, it's something that we can possibly see on an exam where we put the camera through the nose and look at the vocal cords and it just looks a little irritated, um, nothing obvious, just a little bit of irritation on the vocal folds that may be attributed to the inhaler. Um, some inhalers are less uh, irritating than others. Like I think, um, um, I'll give you the fluticasone is the brand name of it, but it just depends upon the type of steroid that you're going to be using. Um, so you need to look at that too. So asthma is challenging though. Allergies too. If you have allergy sensitive asthma or versus exercise induced asthma, different types, if the allergy component is not well controlled, that's going to really impact the voice too. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're taking your other medications outside of your inhalers and controlling the allergy symptoms as well as the respiratory associated symptoms. And I don't like, you got to take the pseudoephedrine, the D part, you know, like the Zyrtec Ds and stuff like that, that dries you out so much. So if your doctor says you have to take it, that's fine, but just make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Um, but if you don't have to take it and the Zyrtex or, you know, the Allegra's is whatever, the anti-allergy medications without the D work well for you, then don't do the D. It dries you out. It really affects the vocal cords. But if your doctor says to do it, I digress. Now, what about those folks who are more into the natural remedies? Are there any natural remedies that you know of that could also serve that same purpose? For allergy related things? Um, yeah. Definitely drinking water, again, um, you want to make sure that your throat is coated. So, and this could be for everybody as well. Um, there's a Neomed sinus rinse. I should have brought the little bottle, but it's a small uh, bottle. You could get it over the counter and you squeeze it um, into your nostrils, both sides. It sounds crazy. And my husband used to do it. He's a singer. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. Um, but then everybody in ear, nose and throat specialty, we all swear by it because it's natural. It's just salt water and it just maintains humidification of the nasal cavity while clearing out all the gunk that, you know, most people with allergies would accumulate. Um, and so you do that as many times as you need. I do it twice a day now because I was, I bought into it. I moved to Memphis and all of a sudden I had allergies in my adult years, which was new to me. Um, so I started doing it and it just, it literally just makes you feel so fresh inside. And it also humidifies the voice box because it's all connected. The nose, the throat, and the, the voice box are all connected. So by you doing that, you're maintaining a really nice atmosphere and moisture chamber in there. Um, other things that you could do, um, throat coat teas work really well. 
um, a little bit of honey that works well too. Um, and then there's a, a, a spray. I, I don't know who the vendor is, but if you look up pectin sprays, that's pretty natural. Pectin is a, um, you find that in apples. It's just like a type of sugar and it coats, it just, it's just a natural coat um, for the voice box. Because laryngologists, we don't like menthol. So anything that has menthol in it is a false sense of security. Steroids, false sense of security, unless you need it for other medical reasons. But for the voice, steroids is like, okay, I'm going to fix you temporarily with a Band-Aid, but not fix the problem. You're thinking that you could run 100 miles a minute because now you feel okay, right? It's like, and then the same thing with the menthol. It's like, I'm going to numb you, and then you're going to think you could talk all day, and when the numbing wears off, your voice is way worse than it was when it started. So that's not what we want to do. We don't want to give that false sense of security that you could, you know, put your superwoman or man cape on and, like, go at it. You want to fix the problem. Um, and so the natural things are hydration, nasal symptoms being optimized. Um, for if you have reflux or anything like that, you know, monitoring your diet, don't eat too late at night, um, stay away from spicy foods, um, stay away from fried foods, caffeine, not your friend. Um, and I know I'm preaching to myself too, because it's hard. <laughs> um, but, you know, you want to optimize anything that's going to aggravate the heartburn too. Um, and, and, and there's medication for that, but the holistic thing would be to, to monitor your diet and things like that. So, And just speaking on honey, I actually have a story that goes back a few years ago. Um, this is like in the early years in the classroom. I had a sore throat. Mm -hmm. Like every time I swallowed, I felt like a sensation like in my throat. Right. So I had a friend, you know, who has family from the South and he was like, yo, Kwame, you got to just go ahead, get you to some honey, put some cayenne pepper on there, some ginger right. and, and some other things. Just a teaspoonful of it. Swallow it, do it for like three, four days. It goes away. Right. And I said, dude, you're crazy. But <laughs> but I, I listened to him. I took his advice. I went through that process, was taking yeah. that teaspoon of the honey, the ginger, the cayenne pepper. Um, I think there was some garlic too as well. Right. Swallowed it, then chewed it, swallowed, and within a number of days, the soreness was gone. Like my voice was back. Right, right. And I said, it was the nicest thing I ever had, but it worked. Yeah. So, I mean... The remedies do work. They do. They definitely do. I, I could believe that they that could work because they have anti-inflammatory properties, the coating properties, um, you know, and you just got to listen to your body. Some people had a patient tell me vinegar um, and they mixed it with lemon and they had raging reflux. And I was just like, that's, that's probably not the move for you. <laughs> but for some people, it does work. So there's there's there are certain you know, avenues for holistic medicine and different types that could work for different, you know, issues that people are dealing with. So that's good though. Yeah. Vinegar was actually the other ingredient as well that was added on. So yep, vinegar as well. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> Very much so. Right. But it did the job, which right. is the most important thing. It did the job. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm not sure why I didn't ask you this in the beginning, but I want to know, what made you fall in love with, you know, laryngology? And 
And did you always have aspirations to become a no laryngologist? So no, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. I've never seen an ear, nose, and throat doctor in my life, so I didn't know what the specialty was. Um, in medical school, <clears throat> I we learned about it, but we don't really learn about it the way we learn about the heart and the lungs and everything else um, in the body. So it's a very you know you you get fire hydrant who was in medical school and then in residency it's another fire hydrant um, of information coming your way. So um, it's a subspecialty that we do uh, get exposure to. Luckily my institution at University of Miami had great uh, voice um, department. Um, so I got to see a lot, I got to do a lot and the specialty itself is very innovative because we have a lot of instruments to get to this very, very hidden place. So that was interesting for me, just being able to use these instruments that are novel technology and examine a very, very intimate place uh, on, on people and, and give them a solution on how they could make it better. And a lot of the interventions that we have are immediate gratification. We can do awake injections in the office, we can do you know, awake uh, injections for voice uh, uh, paralysis or for spasms of the vocal cords, we can inject Botox. So, and most of these things right then and there, the patient will have a voice um, or the patient can swallow again if we do a dilation in the office and they don't have to take a day off from work, you know, and worry about, you know, missing work and being penalized for that. So I've actually had a lot of teachers that do have vocal full paralysis and you can get that either surgically related if they have neck surgery that's very close to the nerve for the vocal cord. Um, and they wouldn't know why their voice was hoarse and breathy and weak for months. And then I offer to them an injection in the vocal cords to kind of plump up the paralyzed vocal cord so that they can get better voice and be able to speak louder. Um, and they come into my clinic, we, they do it during their lunch break and they could go back to work. Um, so for me, that was important so that I could see and know that what I'm doing is helping. Um, and then for the patient, just seeing how happy they were, you know, with the results of helping them. Um, and I think it's just to help teachers, I mean, pastors, all the people that have a mission in this world, need their voice. And so to be able to, you know, stop whatever detriment that's, you know, not allowing them to fulfill their uh, mission, you know, I feel good knowing that I'm doing good work for people that have important jobs to do for, for our community, for our world. So, um, and then Seoul, actually, when I was younger, full circle, I uh, <clears throat> I always thought the the uh, soul was in this area. I don't know why. It's weird. And I like thought about it just like a few years ago when I first started practice. I was like, man, I really thought that. <clears throat> and I looked it up. And in Hebrew, soul is nefesh, and it's in the Bible over seven hundred times. And the way that it's referenced, um, it, it 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 is referenced in the context of speaking, like a person's personality is in their voice. Um, it's referenced in the context of breath, and it's also referenced in the context of appetite or hunger. And so those are the three important functions of the voice box, eating, speaking, and breathing. So I just thought that that was ironic that, you know, I just thought the voice was uh, kind of like somebody's soul, and then there's some confirmation of it in, in our Old Testament literature. So 
but laryngology is very, it's the best medical field in my opinion. <laughs> and you're not just being biased when you say that. No, not at all. all right. Not a little bit at all. Oh, wow. No, th this is awesome. Uh, but I want to go ahead and have a little bit of fun here. So we've been talking about the voice, voice, voice. I have some questions for you. So we're going to go to the lightning round Okay. Uh, to finish this off here. So I sent you a whole bunch of questions. I actually had some other ones that just came to my mind. So okay. <laughs> uh, don't be, don't get scared or surprised that they come out. Okay. All right. So first question is, what is your favorite self-care activity these days when you're not in the operating room? My favorite self-care activity is bike riding. Um, it's a new hobby that I picked up during residency. So I like to cycle. I have an indoor bike. I have to do it. Good stress relief makes me, you know, COVID pounds hopefully shed soon, but that's my, that's my activity. Awesome. Now, I want you to tell me your top five celebrity voices. Now, they don't have to be singers. They could be just any celebrity you can think of. Okay. You have five favorite voices. And if you could explain why you like their voice, maybe give a, a small snippet of, of just why, you know, that would okay. be helpful too for our listeners. Okay. So let me see. So, um, I, I got to go with Morgan Freeman, obviously. I mean, he has a very distinct voice, right? Yes. I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it's not painful to listen to. You know, it doesn't sound like he's traumatizing the chords, so that's good. Um, one person I've always wanted to examine their voice box is Beyonce, because I feel like she's got vocal cords that are anointed of steel, and she's super talented. Um, so she's got a very velvety, buttery speaking voice and then a very dynamic and powerful singing voice. So definitely Beyonce. Um, I had to say that obviously for the beehive. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Porter, I don't know if you're familiar with Anthony Porter. He's a really, uh, he's not, he, I guess he could be considered mainstream, but not many people have heard of him. He does a lot of like jazzy, um, music, um, and he has another very, very smooth, distinct voice, um, uh, powerful too, but very calm. Um, not like Beyonce, it's very just even keel and just soothing. Um, I have to say Whitney Houston for the same reasons. Um, you know, she's got a great voice and I mean, man, she's she's been through a lot of trauma um, and interestingly, the, you know, the voice box actually could house trauma. So sometimes people have a lot of tension and it may not be because of, you know, physical trauma to the vocal cords, but it's just mental trauma that manifests here too. Um, and so we have therapy, voice therapy for that. Um, but I could only imagine, you know, she just persevered and sang right through all the issues and that might've been therapeutic for her, but, um, her voice is beautiful through the pain and everything. Right. Um, and Maxwell, just because he's, you know, Maxwell, he's got a great voice. And he, I mean, a woman's work, and then you go to get to know you. I mean, that range is crazy. So his falsetto, I want to see what his vocal cords look like, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I do some karaoke, so. There you go. 
I do, I do some karaoke. <laughs> I've been working my falsetto. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You take it on the road. Yeah. I think my favorite song to do is uh one of my favorite songs is um The Weeknd. I like songs where I can do the falsetto and just okay. and just show people that how how cool I am, right? Um <laughs> this is one song. I think it's it's one of his older songs. I think I can't feel my face. Right, right. I like to do cuz I love it. And I love it. Like I like to just get to that part. That's good. I can't feel my face. Like, That's good. See, That's see, good. Uh, yeah, thank you. See, you're you the know. professional, so it means a lot. You're the professional, you know what right. I mean? So. <laughs> you, might, you, might get found. you might get found, you know? There you go. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So you mentioned your husband being a singer. Right. So what I want to know is, there's actually two questions. So here's the first one. Okay. Did your husband's voice box let you know right away that he was the one? <laughs> um, yes, it did. It did. And I, I can tell you the song that he sang. It was Al Green, Let's Stay Together. Um, and he was singing at an event um, in Florida. And I was, you know, backstage and I was like, wow. Okay. And yeah, that rest was history. We used to sing together, um, you know, so I kind of, kind of had to glimpse into his vocal capabilities at that time. And that's how we met. And um, he's way better than me. But that moment when he sang Al Green, Let's Stay Together, I was like, okay, this is this is the one. And and maybe I need to do voice, you know, work so that I can maintain them. <laughs> All right, well, I guess you answered the second question. You already, you already acknowledged he's a better singer, so. Right. We'll throw that question out the window. Right. All right. <laughs> But you also play the piano too. So I want to know what was the very first song you learned how to play on the piano? The very first song. So the very first song, it, it's not Chopsticks. I think it was Jerry Giraffe, which you probably don't know. I mean, the first song that you would probably know is uh, for Elise, probably Beethoven. But then Jerry Giraffe was the real first song, you know, like one hand back in the day, five years old. So you don't know this song. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I could sing it for you, but it's, it's, it's underwhelming. So. But, but you know what, you know what I play on the piano? <laughs> I play a mean mad, a little lamb on these there three go. fingers. There you go. Like easy. That's the only song I can play, though. I can't play nothing else. <laughs> well, um, don't minimize it. I mean, that's the song you could play. That's not, you know, that's the song you could play. Yes, and I can change the chords and everything. I could do it, any chord. So, yeah, that's that's my skill right there. <laughs> that's a talent. That's a talent. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, my last question is, if you can invite three influential figures to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be? That's a good question. I never really, I never thought of, I've asked that question on interviews for residency, but I've never um, been asked that question. So three people, gotta be Michelle Obama. Of course, Auntie Shelley's got to be. Everybody says Michelle, everybody. I know I had to, I had to, I, I didn't want to be, you know, a follower, but 
Auntie Shelly's got to be there. She's just got too much knowledge. You know what I mean? And I feel like any one-on-one -on -one encounter that she's had with any group is always like an individual. Like it's like an anointed message. Like she's just like, hmm, I vibe you. I feel the vibe. Here's some wisdom. So I want that. Um, so Shelly's got to be there, Auntie Shelly. Um, Martin Luther King. I'm in Memphis. We've got the Lorraine Hotel. He's got a legacy out here. So um, definitely have to pay homage and, you know, bring Dr. King Jr. back. Um, and Jesus. I mean, it's not a party unless you could make water, make wine to water. So got to invite the JC. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I lied. I actually have one more question. Okay. Probably the last one. That's okay. So I know, so I know you had some Haitian roots, right? All right, that's right. This is a personal request for me. Okay. I know, I know. New Year's is already passed, but can a brother get some cremas? Huh? <laughs> that's all I want. Can a brother get some cremas? I could hook you up. I can mail it. I'll Come ship. Now. It. I'll ship it. It's tough. It's tough in Memphis, though. But you know what? I got to learn how to make it. I had to make Haitian soup for New Year's because I wasn't going to get it in Memphis. But I could I could work on that. I could send it your way. Yeah. Yeah, please. Because that's, that's my jam right there. That's my jam. It's so good. And, you know, I keep that to myself. I ain't sharing nobody. <laughs> As you should. It's too good. It's too good. It's too, too good. It's too right. good. You know, right. Um. But how's your soup game? Because I know the soup is it's serious. Like when you make the soup for New Year's, it's, it's a serious thing. You know, oh, yeah. just for my Haitian friends mm -hmm. you know, who who have attempted to, and they trying to please their, you know, all the generations that have come before, and they passed right. down the recipe. So how's right. your soup game? I so it was good. I thought it was good, and I I had friends in Memphis that never had it before, and they really enjoyed it. My husband, he's not Haitian. But he's been around long enough to know, and he's he actually cooks really well. So he gave it the stamp of approval. So I think we were in good shape. Um, but it was hard. I mean, it is not a joke. You don't realize, you know, like you're younger watching your mom or grandmother make it when you're younger. And I was like, this took me like a good four days. You got to make the the ippies, the spices. You got to let it marinate. All all of the things. And I was just like, next year, I'm gonna take a break. <laughs> but I might make it for 2022. So we'll see. All right. Well, I'll be waiting for that cremas for sure. No doubt. I got you. <laughs> I got you on that. That's easy. I think I could get that. So that'll be good. All right. Oh, uh, wow. This has been a, a great conversation. Who would have thought that talking about voice would be so much fun? Right. Yes. Right. Well, yeah. So thank you, Dr. Sandra Sinnett, for talking with us today. And you might have to bring you back for a part two because, man, this, this, was, this was just so much fun. I agree. I agree. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. But um, before you head off, if you could just let our viewers know how they can connect with you on social media so they can learn more about voice and disorders and, and all this cool stuff. Great. Yes. So you can find me at Instagram. I'm the voice box doctor. I'm also the voice box doctor at TikTok. And I'm the voice box doc at on on twitter so those are the um three main social media platforms that i use and then you can email me at the voiceboxdoctor at gmail.com if you have any questions or you know issues you want me to kind of run by me i'm happy to answer them 
Yeah, and y'all need to go ahead and follow her on IG. Um, her TikTok is on point, the videos and everything, and you learn something in the process, which is great. Thank Excellent you. entertainment. So, Dr. Stanef, thank you so much, and uh, we'll connect soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Nice meeting you, Kwame. This is great. Yeah. Pleasure meeting you as well. All right. So, there we have it, folks. We have spent a whole 45 minutes talking about voice, and I hope that you learned something valuable that you can take back to your school, take back to your classroom, maybe let your district know, like, hey, we need some more um, voice devices and amplification devices to preserve our voice and stay in the classroom for a whole school year. So we need to advocate for these devices to help our teachers in our different districts. All right. But as I always say to you all, I wish you all a good morning, good night, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we're going to do this again another time. Peace out, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Identity Talk for Educators Live podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram with the handle at Identity Talk for Educators Live. And that's a numeral four in the middle. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. We're always striving to provide you with quality content. So if you love what you heard tonight, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And to check out the video episodes of the podcast, you can visit our website at www.identitytalkforeducators.com. Thank you and have a great day.